Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Do speak to us, because beyond the sacred page we seek you, Lord. Amen. Well, it really has been great to be here. uh, We love this church. My wife and I, if we ever can have an opportunity, an excuse to come and perhaps visit on a Sunday, we do enjoy being here at Christchurch Forward. And uh, we've had a good week with some amazing stories of how people have found the Lord in unusual situations and how they've proved God through the difficulties of life. But I think whatever political persuasion you may have, I think most of us would feel that Britain in the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years or so has largely become a godless society, a godless nation. And one of the many consequences of that is that trust has been destroyed. And I I really want to just think about this for a while with the question, you know, who can you trust? Who do you trust? And I hope you'll hear me out because it'd be very easy if you just listen for the first few moments to think, oh, Roger, you're too much of a cynic. But who do you trust? Let me ask, for example, do you trust the politicians? Every election comes and I think we always hope, perhaps rather naively, that things are going to improve, things will get better. But actually we know, don't we, that time and again politicians have shown that they mislead and and let's face it, they lie. I think something happened to me about three weeks ago when Chris Hume went in front of the television cameras and admitted that he'd lied. But the thing that really stunned me and why I'd never quite seen it so clearly before, I don't know, is that BBC, ITV, Sky News, they all then showed shots of him speaking over the last 18 months saying that he had not swapped, switched the, the, the speeding points that he was getting. And there wasn't a flicker in his eye. He didn't gulp. He didn't rub his nose or itch or anything. He just told barefaced lies. And I thought, how could you do that? But we know they do. On basic issues, it seems as though so many politicians just seem to wish to ignore the wishes of the people. We know they fiddle their expenses. I love the Matt cartoon in the Daily Telegraph every morning. If you, if you don't get the Daily Telegraph, at least go to a newsagent and, um, and look at the cartoon. The trouble is you'll probably laugh out loud. He is a very, very funny man. And some months ago, he had a great cartoon where he had a bespoke tailor measuring up a politician for a new suit. And as he was doing so, he turned to the politician and said, um, do you want to line your own pockets, sir? <laughs> And he just captured, didn't he, exactly what so many of us think. And perhaps much, much more seriously, over the last 50 years, they seem to have systematically sought to legislate against the Ten Commandments, to undermine them. Do you trust the politicians? Let me ask this, and I realise it's a sensitive one in South Yorkshire, but nevertheless, do you trust the police? We want to. If, if you grew up in a home like, like mine, you were taught to. And innately, there is a sort of inherent desire to trust the police. Last night in my hometown, I was just 
arriving back about half past 11, and I just stopped two policemen who were walking along just to report something I'd seen just a few yards where, in the direction they were going. I said, I think you need to see this. And, and you sort of naturally want to trust them. We don't want to undermine them. But Hillsborough, whatever happened there, who knows whether we've got to the bottom of it or not. But nevertheless, the authority, the trustworthiness of the police has been undermined. Ian Tomlinson, do you remember him and his death at the G20 protest? Or the killing of Jean-Charles de Menzies in a London underground? Or I think what was absolutely terrible but has largely been ignored, the arrest and the subsequent death of Harry Hammond in Bournemouth. man carrying a Christian placard and then was set upon by a gang of, of thugs really, but the police arrested him. And he died shortly afterwards after the treatment he'd received. There's a very significant Christian minister in Bournemouth who has a blog with the title Dorset Police Hate Christians. You, you can almost not imagine that, can you? And yet, do you trust the police? We want to, but do we? Do you trust the bankers? Hmm. And I'm not just thinking of Fred the Shred, as we've come to call him, but this, this sort of host, this, this um, group of faceless managers who've undermined and destroyed trust. I often say, I've never robbed a bank in my life, but I can name some banks that have robbed me, but apparently they're allowed to do so. And do we trust them? We give them our money. We, well, at least we deposit our money there. And, and yet, do we trust them? Let me ask this. Do you trust the BBC? For decades, the BBC seemed to have followed an aggressively anti-God campaign. They've depicted Christians as cranks, as weirdos, people who can't really be trusted. They esteem atheists, rarely questioning their lifestyle, their attitudes, their ideas. I, I used to, as often as I could, watch Newsnight. I quite like Jeremy Paxman. I like his Rockweiler approach. Do you know, I've not watched it once since early last year he interviewed Richard Dawkins. I, I don't mind him interviewing Richard Dawkins by any means, this atheist, but there was nobody putting a different point of view. He was just completely fawning, almost adoring to him. And I thought, uh-uh, you have an agenda. And of course, it's come out very clearly that Newsnight did have an agenda. The BBC, which often claims to be the world's finest broadcaster, and yet we know about their dishonesty, their cynicism towards Christian things, their airbrushing of Jimmy Savile and a host of others who've come to light since. I'm very sceptical about their self-pride and very, very doubtful about their attitudes and some of the things that they teach. But I've got to say as well, if we're asking who do we trust, do you trust the churches? There have been leaders of churches who have hit the headlines for all the wrong reasons, even in the last fortnight. It's very easy to be able to go to a church where the Bible is not taught, where Christian things are not esteemed, where Jesus isn't worshipped. Do we trust the churches? Sometimes there have been, and rightly so, headline-hitting stories of immorality that shouldn't ever happen, but they do, and they happen in the churches. And I could go on, do you trust the newspapers? I, I, I've never been in any national newspapers, but um, sometimes I'm doing a week like we've just had here and a local newspaper will come round and interview me and perhaps one or two others, and then they report it. And, you know, consistently, I've read what 
I'm supposed to have said and thought, I never said that. You just completely got the wrong end of the stick. And if they're doing that on a small local level, what's happening nationally? Leveson inquiry. And I could go on. Do you trust the sportsman, Lance Armstrong, the Australian footballers, even cricket? Stories of match fixing, the NHS. Would you be happy about going to a hospital in Stafford? The judges, members of the royal family. And let's go a little bit closer. Let me ask you this. Do you trust yourself? Isn't trusting ourselves a sign that we're really ignorant as to who we truly are? After all, don't all of us mess up? Sometimes our messing up is just in areas of wrong judgment. We give advice and then we think later on, actually, I don't know that that was the right advice. We make a decision. We think, perhaps that wasn't. I've been involved over the years in many committees and things like this. But there are two that stand out in my memory and they really sort of unnerved me, disarmed me because in both of them, I was very committed to the group that I was working with. And in both of them, I went along with the sort of the, the mood of the committee meetings and decided to vote one way. And then later on, realize we have made a big mistake and that happened in two separate occasions in two separate committees and do I trust my judgment but it's not just that do I do I trust do I trust myself when it comes to moral uprightness true Christian character haven't I I messed up time and again haven't I said words I deeply regret even this week done things that I ought not to have done gone places I shouldn't have just ignored getting involved when I ought to have got involved Do I trust myself? Listen to these words. They are startling. They're shocking. Spoken by Jesus 2,000 years ago. But they could almost be a summary of what's going on in society today. This is what Jesus said. For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, Greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. What a list. But isn't this an accurate diagnosis of where society, where we are at? That's why I asked for Psalm 146. I'm sorry, I'm sure it was my mistake that it was, it was communicated wrongly. Psalm 146 to be, to be read because the emphasis of the psalm is that there really is only one who is truly worthy of our trust. There is only one who has never let down anybody who has put their faith, their trust, their confidence in him. And of course, it's the Lord God. It's the God of Jacob. It's the God who came into our world in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has never broken a single promise. And he's made hundreds of them. In fact, they're called in the Bible exceeding great and precious promises. And he never, never is unfaithful about any of them. He is not a disappointment. There is no conceivable situation in which it is not safe to trust God. And the more we depend on him, we find as Christians, the more dependable he is. Now, this is a testimony, not just from this psalm, but all the way through the scriptures. Time and again, you find people saying he's trustworthy. Do you remember Joshua? The Israelites found themselves through 
Well, the story, I'm sure you know it, of Jacob and Joseph, etc. They find themselves in Egypt and they're there for 400 years. But that is not the land that God had promised to them through Abraham centuries before. And God raised up Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt towards the promised land. They, They spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness, really, because of their own disobedience. And then it's for Joshua to lead the Israelites from the wilderness across the river Jordan into the promised land. And it was he who led the Israelites around the walls of Jericho for those seven days. And eventually, of course, the walls came down and it was the first of many, many great victories. So they were able to conquer the land. But these are the words of Joshua, now an old man, looking back on his life. And he says, not one Not one of the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel has failed. Every one was fulfilled. Or some years later, King Solomon. Now he was the son of David, the greatest of all the Israelite kings. Solomon, though, the wisest of them all. And it was under his leadership in his reign that there was peace and prosperity in the land. He was the one who built the royal palace But more significantly, he built the temple, a splendid place where God's glory was going to be. It was covered in gold. Can you imagine that with the blazing heat of the Mediterranean sun being reflected with this gold-covered temple? A wonderful place. And he was the one who prayed at the dedication, at the opening of the temple. Listen to his words. Again, not one word has failed of all the good promises that he gave through his servant Moses. Not one. The Apostle Paul, who gave us so much of our New Testament, repeatedly wrote and spoke about the faithfulness of God. I mentioned earlier Holland. I don't know whether you've ever been to the the beautiful city of Harlem in Holland. It's got a, a, a gorgeous square. There's a cathedral there. In that cathedral, Mozart used to play. And just off the square is a watchmaker's shop, and it just says Ten Boom or Lange or something like that. I don't speak Dutch, but it, it's a clockmaker's, watchmaker's shop. And during the Second World War, there was a family there, the Ten Boom family. They were Christians, they loved the Lord, and they felt it was their Christian responsibility to hide, to shelter Jews during the the German occupation. And they did so. It's an amazing story. They did so for many years until eventually somebody turned traitor on them and they were betrayed. They were all arrested. They were sent to various concentration camps. And within a matter of days, all but two of them died. Eventually, Betsy, the sister of Corrie, also died. But Corrie, through a quote-unquote mistake, was released And she was to spend the next 30 odd years traveling the world and speaking about God and the Lord. Listen to her words. After all she'd been through, she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. What a startling sentence. And I want to ask, if I may, as lovingly but as bluntly as a Yorkshireman can, I want to ask, do you trust God? Do you? It's not a nonsense question, really. It's a question that we find the Lord Jesus Christ himself asking on many occasions. He asked two blind men who came to him for healing. He asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He asked another man whom he had just healed, do you believe in the Son of Man? In other words, do you believe in me? 
He then turned to his disciples and said, do you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Do you get the theme? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you trust? When he'd spoken about life after death and he'd said, he who believes in me will live again even though he dies, Jesus then turned to his disciples and said, do you believe this? So could I ask, do you believe God? Do you you trust in God? Trust, belief is a matter of choice. We can choose to turn to and trust in the one who gave himself for us. And, And that's what this psalm is all about. The first five verses speak about why we should trust in him. Uh, and, and only he really is worthy of trust. D- don't trust in men, or sons of men, or princes. And, and the psalmist gives the reason, don't trust in them, because actually they're mortal, they are going to die. And we've seen it, haven't we, in, on the news sometimes, uh, some, some nation has had a dictatorial leader who's led the people for so many years, but eventually, of course, he dies. And there's great wailings, maybe put on, acted, I don't know. Tremendous remorse because the person they'd looked up to has now gone. So the psalmist says, no, no, no. Trust only in God. He's eternal. He's everlasting. In fact, having said that only God is worthy of our trust, the next five verses of the psalm give us reasons. And they say, look, he is the creator. He brought all things into being. He's the provider, so he not only made everything, but he sustains it and provides all our needs. He is the judge. He's the deliverer. He's the king. We're given all these reasons. He cares for the underdog. He cares for those who've got little or nothing. And we're encouraged to trust in the Lord, a God who's able to meet our needs if we'll trust him. But these are not just words they're not just weasel words that awful phrase that is often spoken about with regard to politicians this is love and faithfulness and worthiness that has demonstrated itself when you think about ourselves how have we dared to defy our maker god the creator of everything who's given us our life our existence And we, little us, some of us are littler than others, we have dared to shake our fist in God's face and say, no, we're going our own way, doing our own thing. We know what you've said, but... And this God has still loved us, loved you, loved me, and come into our world in the person of Jesus. Nobody could have grumbled if he just snuffed us all out, if he just cast us into hell forever but he provided a a rescue, a way of escape. He was going to confront, to deal with our sin. So the things which I am guilty of, which have cut me off from God, which would condemn me forever, Christ, the lovely, pure, holy Son of God, he took on himself on the cross. My sin laid on Jesus. God, big enough to scan the ages from the beginning to the end of time, to take the sin of the world and and lay it all on his darling dear son Jesus, who there hanging on that cross pays for it with his own blood. Oh, the, the Bible has every right to say, trust in the Lord, but now God 
demonstrated his love toward us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And then not only has he died and been buried, but he's risen, he's conquered death, he's conquered the grave, he's dealt with sin. Trust in him when he's done such amazing exploits. It seems the most reasonable thing in the world to do. And when a person trusts in the Lord, do you know, God comes to live within us. He, yes, he changes us, he, he moves us, but not in the way I might move a boulder from one place to another. He, he breathes his life into us. We become new creations. We have spiritual life. We have a relationship with God. It's trusting this vast God. Yes, but trusting this God who's big enough to become small, who live by his Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. It's trusting in him. Trusting him when even the, when the pieces don't seem to fit together as we would like. Trusting him knowing that he promises never to turn his back on his, his people. Even if we fail and falter, he never will. And if sorrows at times makes us shed tears, we trust in a God who's able and promises that one day he'll wipe away all tears. Trusting in a God when hope seems hopeless and yet looking to him, the God of all hope. A God who says, I'll be with you through life, through death and then into eternity. None of us deserve to be with God, the Lord in heaven forever and yet he promises it for those who turn and trust in him. So my question, the theme of what I want to get across is, is, is very individual to each of us. I want, to, I want us to ask ourselves, am I trusting in the true and living God? Have I turned from my sin to trust him? I think very often when there's something new, you, you sort of need a point of entry, don't you? How do you enter into this? Well, there are various things that we could go at. At a very basic level, perhaps this is completely new, maybe seems so alien and foreign to you. I would recommend just simply coming week by week, listening to the preaching of the gospel Get hold of a Bible, start to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, these, these accounts of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Let Jesus, as it were, introduce or maybe reintroduce himself to you. Maybe you, as a child you went to Sunday school or crusaders or something, pathfinders. Maybe you made your vows once to get married and you remember you were standing there and yes, for the first few weeks of your married life you attended church, but somehow life just got busy and you drifted. But here you are this morning. Start again to, to come Listen to God's word. Sing his praise. Start to read the word of God for yourself. This church regularly runs, and he's about to start another course, a course called Christianity Explored. All I can say, it is excellent. I just wholeheartedly commend it to you. You should have been given one of these real life brochures. And if you open it up, you'll see here there's a place where you can put your name and address, and you sort of just registering not to attend necessarily but they'll get in touch with you when it begins at the end of April just to remind you and then over a period of weeks I think it normally starts with food and then in a group you'll find people of different persuasions and thoughts and backgrounds coming together to dig into Mark's gospel to see how Jesus answers the questions and the 
I don't know, the perplexities of life that we all have. It is a wonderful course. There's no obligation to come, or rather to keep coming, rather. I, but I think if you do go once, you'll want to keep going. I just recommend it. And it's a, it's a good way of discovering more about the Lord Jesus. So for some, right, they'll start to, to listen regularly, start to read. For others, no, I'll find out a bit more. I'll go to this Christianity Explored course. But perhaps you're here this morning and you think, I've heard this before. I've maybe even been on a Christianity Explored course, but I need to get right with God. I became a Christian when I prayed that simple prayer on that log in that setting in the, in the Lebanon. And I asked Jesus to become my Lord and Saviour. And I'd like to close this morning by praying a prayer very, very similar to the one that I prayed. And I'm going to... Well, I'm going to encourage, but it's more than that. I'm going to urge you to pray this prayer with me. If you've never truly trusted the Lord Jesus Christ before, and you think, I need to trust him, I recognise that. Who else is there? Not, Not mortal man, not princes. But I do want to trust in God, who's faithful to his promises. Then would you pray this prayer? It's a prayer of commitment, of repentance, of faith. It's a prayer of turning from that which is wrong and trusting and saying, yes, I want Jesus to become my Lord and my Saviour. And if you, as it were, echo the prayer, not out loud, but in your heart and mind with me, I'd like you to do one other thing. At the very end, go to Ben, who's been leading the service, or come to me, we'll be uh, in the foyers, and just, just say something like, I prayed that prayer this morning. And we'd like to give you a little booklet, it's called Trust in Christ, which explains how you can start to grow to become mature in your faith. And I think you'd find that helpful. In the earlier session, there were those who, who, who did exactly that, prayed and then came and just said, and we gave them a booklet. And, and then maybe go on the Christianity Explored course, find out more. But wouldn't it be wonderful if this day, the 3rd of March, 2013, was the day you said, yes, I'm going to trust the true and living God. So a prayer. I'll pray it slowly. I encourage you to repeat it and make it your own as I pray. Dear God, You know everything there is to know about me. But I do want to say I am sorry for my sin. I do believe Jesus died for me and rose again from the dead. Please forgive me. Come by your spirit to live within me. Become my Lord, my Saviour. I want to be a friend of yours. Help me to follow you. Thank you for hearing this prayer, which I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Do talk to Ben or me if you prayed, and we'd like to give you one of these. Thank you, Ben.